Welcome to Do I Need My Racket podcast, brought to you by In Her Name Foundation. I am Cindy Swain, your host and president and CEO of In Her Name Foundation. And this is episode number three, called Strike Three. Did you hear that? Let's listen again. How about a third time? Well, if you were standing in the batter's box and Rachel Turney Justice was windmilling a fastball from the circle a mere 43 feet from home plate, you just struck out. And how many times did she not just strike out? Well, in high school, she did that 1,052 times, plus through five no-hitters and three perfect games. Yes, three perfect games where no one for an entire softball game reached a base. Her senior year, she earned a .33 earned run average. Rachel then went on to college and pitched for Lansing Community College, a record 16-0 win-loss record, and led her team to a 35-0 team record. Rachel then moved to Division I and pitched for Michigan State University for two years, notching another 296 strikeouts and winning multiple MVP and Big Ten pitching awards. This past July of 2022, Rachel Turney Justice was inducted to the Greater Lansing Area Sports Hall of Fame as one of Michigan's best fast-pitch softball pitchers in a generation. Today, Rachel is still pitching, but she's throwing strikes to save her life. Cancer is standing in the batter's box. In early 2022, After multiple tests and consultations with numerous physicians, Rachel underwent a bilateral mastectomy. That's strike one. Now, in a few short weeks, after more tests and consultations, Rachel will undergo a complete hysterectomy. That's strike two. For the next pitch, Rachel's deciding which one to throw and is in the windup. Knowing All that time pitching in the circle has made her resilient, but losing part of her physical body does not define her. She says, I am more than just my body. I am defined by what I do, what I have done, and those around me. It takes courage and strength for Rachel to stand in that pitching circle, not certain what the next pitch will be, but I can tell you she is strong. She is brave, she is courageous, and yes, she is resilient. And with that, no matter the pitch, that's strike three. Today in this podcast, my guest is Rachel Turney. She comes to us from Lansing, Michigan area, and just recently was inducted into the Greater Lansing Sports Hall of Fame over the summer in July. So, Rachel, welcome. Happy to be here. So nice to be part of this program. Yes, thank you. Thank you for spending time with me today. So, Rachel, you know, I've been looking over 
all your accolades in sports over the years, and um, it's quite impressive. I uh, you went to high school at Lansing Everett High School in Lansing, Michigan, then on to Lansing Community College, then on to Michigan State University. And your biggest sport, although you played a lot of them, were softball. But just tell us a little bit about yourself, bef- you know, before high school and kind of where you grew up and how you got involved in sports. So I grew up in the Lansing area, Lansing specifically, and really I credit my father for the sports that I'm into. He was a college athlete and he started my little brother and I relatively young and just all kinds of different sports just to see where we enjoyed it, what we were interested in. And I I guess it makes sense. He was a college baseball player. Of course, I would gravitate towards softball and had a was it kind of a love at first sight thing for base softball for you, or did you like a lot of other sports too? I love all sports. Mm-hmm. I just had a little bit more talent, I think, towards softball, but I enjoyed every little bit of um, skill that you get from the other sports, and it was nice to have a break in between seasons mm-hmm. to do different things. So you were a three-sport athlete in high school, right? I was. What, what did you play? I played basketball, volleyball, and softball. Yeah. Um, and your basketball team won two state championships um, for Lansing Everett High School in 2001-2002? That is correct. It was a magical time in terms of the athletic talent that was within my community, and some really, really wonderful and tremendous athletes came out. Yeah, it sounds like it. Looking at, you you know, your your biggest sport you played was uh, fast-pitch softball. Um, and I'm looking at some stats here. So your sophomore year in high school, you had a .94 ERA. Your junior year, you had a .74 ERA as a pitcher. And your senior year, you had a .33 earned run average. As a pitcher, tell me about that. I never paid much attention to it. It was more just meeting goals with my team. But looking back, um, especially with the Hall of Fame induction, it is quite a tremendous accomplishment. Yeah, it really is. Don't be modest. I just I have never seen an ERA that amazing before. And just for those of us that are listening that don't know about what that means, can you explain that? So it's your earned run average. So it's the average number of runs that they get in a game. And mine was under one. (laughs) I know. It's like, well, for your whole career in high school. So they averaged, while you were pitching, less than one run every game. Now, you also had um, your senior year 445 strikeouts, three no-hitters, and three perfect games. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's so funny. Um, there's this rule in softball and baseball where if you're having a perfect game or a no-hitter, no one talks about it. You're not allowed to talk about it. So I While honestly, it's going on? While it's going on. So I actually had no idea those things were happening. I was just pitching. I was in the zone. My teammates were covering me. And all of a sudden, the game ends, and everyone is going nuts, and I don't know why. <laughs> And then I find out after the fact, I'm like, oh, wow, I have to get home. I have to go to, you know, get my homework completed. You know, it was just, it didn't register at the time. And I think when you're young, you kind of have the (laughs) naiveness of being, you know, unaware of what those mean. But as an adult, you look back and you're like, wow. 
That is pretty amazing stuff. No wonder you were inducted into the Hall of Fame last July. Um, but yeah, that's pretty. So then you went on to um, had a bit of a knee injury, but then you went on to play softball for Lansing Community College in Lansing, Michigan. Um, you had a sixteen and O win, or that you helped the team to a sixteen and zero uh, record. You were the National Junior College Athletic Association first team All American. And you led the Lansing Community College team to a 35-0 to win-loss record. So that would have been right after high school. So talk a little bit about that. Again, just it was a special time, I think, in the Lansing community where we just had really wonderful athleticism. And I think a lot of that stemmed just from love of playing the sport. I know a lot of my teammates were from the surrounding area as well. So I knew them from competing against them. Mm-hmm. And we just had chemistry and we just had common purpose. And our coach really cupped us in line in terms of staying on target, staying away from kind of the interpersonal issues that you sometimes see with just different personalities together and helped us really find our chemistry. And it was just, it was amazing, really. We had so much fun. And I still remember during the College World Series, we had rain delays, and they were pouring gasoline on the fields and lighting what? them on fire to what? try and burn off the water. It was just the strangest thing, looking back on it. But we do they still do that today? I hope not. It can't be good for the environment. <laughs> I don't think so. And uh, how would that make it better? It burns the water off the field, so it dries faster, I guess. Okay. Um, but you know, we we had fun. It was just. A wonderful time and we had each other's back and you know when I wasn't pitching I knew the other pitchers mm-hmm. were in my corner you know there wasn't the kind of competition that you would sometimes see maybe at like a youth level mm-hmm. we, we knew our roles on the team and yeah, I think nice. that was and you mentioned coach every that was one of your favorite coaches at Lansing Community College how did you meet him uh, I actually met him playing softball with his daughter we had found a little travel team and he ended up coaching just because I think a lot of times coaches are hard to find, especially at the community level. And his daughters wanted to play and they were very skilled. And he just took an interest in me. And for that, I'm forever grateful because I got a lot of mentorship and support. And I learned things I probably wouldn't have learned otherwise. Nice. So then from there, you went to Michigan State University and pitched for two years. And you had there 296 strikeouts a win-loss record of 17-13, and won multiple Big Ten pitching honors. So you went all the way up to Division One. How was that? Amazing. Um, it's one of those things that you don't always know will happen, but just to be among such elite athletes and coaches, I learned a lot about myself, about resilience. I learned how to balance a college workload while traveling on the road, um, that is a really difficult thing to balance. It really, especially at that level. Really I've experienced is. that before because you travel so much. You're on the road a lot. Yeah. During the off season, it's fine. You just have your practices and you're, you know, practicing five days a week. Um, there's rules with the NCAA. So, you know, they do have some limitations, but when you're on the road, you're literally on the road five days a week. You're maybe home two days, mm-hmm. maybe three, and then you're back on the road. So mm-hmm. balancing a course load is... Very challenging, but yeah, because, we make it work. <laughs> well, you didn't pick, I mean, you got a degree in chemistry? 
And um, then you went on to get a, uh, several degrees in nursing, but so you didn't pick a real easy subject to to study to begin with, you know, but chemistry must have been something you really liked. I love science. Um, and I love chemistry. Uh, at the time, I think I was the only athlete at the university that was in a chemistry degree track. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> um, but you do have resources as a student athlete, tutors, and uh, with having all of the off time on the road, you know, you miss a lot of class. So yeah, you have you to figure out ways to pick it back up and to, you know, if you enjoy it, you find a way to make it work. And that's what I did. And, you know, my coaches were supportive. I was able to get my classes done. It was just challenging some days. Yeah. You were a little bit sleep deprived. I think. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So tell us about your nursing degrees. You got your chemistry degree, then your RN degree, registered nurse, and then you got a master's in nursing and then went on to get your clinical doctorate. I did, yes. So it was actually an interesting time. I worked professionally in the lab setting, um, the pharmaceutical industry, and as much as I loved the work, I felt like I wanted more. I wanted to interact with people. I've always enjoyed healthcare. I'd actually applied to my master's in chemistry at the same time I applied Mm -hmm. to an accelerated nursing program. I got into both. And I just followed my gut and went the nursing path Mm -hmm. and never looked back and went on to get my advanced practice degree as um, a master's prepared nurse and then clinical doctorate just because I I love what I do and I wanted to have as many resources available to support healthcare. Sure. So we see someone such as you that has all this success and is inducted into the Greater Lansing Sports Hall of Fame. You were inducted last July of 2022. Um, and, but we forget, though, that all of us have a story to tell. And that resiliency that you've learned through sports and that community that you've built up around yourself has helped you through some really difficult times this past year. Absolutely. Um, Last year, in the middle of the pandemic, I had had some health issues, so I had a follow-up with a few providers, and I found out that I am positive for the BRCA1 gene mutation, which, for those of you that aren't aware, that is the breast and ovarian cancer gene. So my risk for breast and ovarian cancer is significantly higher than the rest of the population, and my family history also. Uh, indicated that that was probably the track that my health was probably going to go down. So you had um, a couple of aunts that lost their lives to cancer? I did. And seeing how that impacted my mom and knowing being in healthcare myself, what the risk meant, I opted for a prophylactic double mastectomy and I'll be having a total hysterectomy towards the end of the year. So two thirds way down my journey. But yeah, and I know we talked a little earlier about that. Um, Just, you know, the acceptance of a young woman such as you to have to deal with those kinds of issues. um, It's life changing. It is. It's been a tremendous stress on my life, but it's nothing that I haven't felt haven't been able to handle as a result I really do attribute a lot of my resilience to the sports that I played growing up and those challenges. And again, as you said, the community that has really surrounded me and uplifted me and supported me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that support system is everything when you're going through these kinds of struggles and challenges. Sure. 
So then this upcoming surgery that you're going to have soon, in a few weeks, um, that is because you're at risk for ovarian cancer. Correct. What, yes. in, there's, you told me that there's a slight possibility that you might even test positive for that and find that out in this surgery. Yes, that's always the risk with these preventative surgeries when you carry the gene. It's a low risk, but again, it's a risk. So, you know, going in, I'm just going to hope for the best and know that, you know, whatever changes that I face with my body, I'm more than my body. My identity is aligned with just everything I've done in my life and the people I'm with. And it will not be the end of the world. We'll just take it one step at a time as it comes. Sure, sure. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I look at you as a young professional woman, a successful athlete, and, you know, I just can't help but think that um, how life-changing this is because it certainly would make, would have been different for me had that happened to me, you know, being able to have children and, and being able to teach them in sports. And I know you've really delved into coaching and helping other youth. Tell us a little bit about that. So I've coached in various capacities throughout the year. I'm taking a brief pause just given the pandemic and the health issues, but I adore coaching and seeing kids have those moments of growth, either, you know, as a human where they learn just those life lessons or just when they pick up a new skill. I've helped coach JV basketball. I mostly do pitching lessons in terms Mm -hmm. of softball just because that's my wheelhouse, and I really have something to contribute in terms of helping athletes grow. Mm-hmm. So mentoring, I think, is so important for young women, especially in sports, because I think to have a role model or even to just have that outlet that isn't their parents, mm-hmm. you build a bit of trust, and you really help them see themselves in a different light and sure. really maybe have a little bit more um know positivity about themselves or they really understand and recognize that they have a lot to offer Mm -hmm. oh yeah and you know the other thing that I think is important for kids these days is they want to feel value and they want to feel part of a community and another thing that we were speaking of just a little bit ago before this interview was that you know in early 2000s you know the Lansing City Schools high schools you know, fielded some pretty decent teams and things. And now we're in 2022 and they're struggling to even get kids out for sports. I know for sure Lansing Sexton, no tennis, no soccer. They co-op a team for all three high schools, Lansing Everett, Lansing Eastern, and Lansing Sexton to make one softball team that really plays at a rec level. And I know I I can see the disappointment in your face. I mean, to go from where you were in the early 2000s to where we are in 2022, how did that happen? I don't have a good answer. I can speculate. I think some of it is the pandemic. I think some of it is that a lot of kids are playing with the hope to play in college. And it's not necessarily for the joy of being part of a team or just having that high school experience. And I can't quite explain it, but... I really do think that we need more coaches in the community and maybe more programs earlier on that can really get kids interested and understand that it's not just about playing college. It's about really that community. It is. And I think it's being a part of something because if you look at statistics out of all colleges, whether you're division one, division three or NAIA, only 3% of high school students go on to play some sport in college and 1%, 
1% of those play at a Division One level where they would get a full athletic scholarship. So the percentages are really low, but that's not the message that they're getting. They're getting the message that if I'm not good enough in co- to play college, then why go out? Which is unfortunate because there's so many life lessons that you can learn from being on a team. So, so true. And it is really heartbreaking that that is the message that's being perpetuated. I don't think in every capacity it is, but I do think it deters a lot of kids from going out. And I will tell you, as an adult, I still play sports. Mm -hmm. I have met many wonderful people just through rec league as an adult. And to have that skill and that ability to even play Mm -hmm. as an adult you learn that when you're in high school Mm -hmm. you learn that you know even in elementary school when you learn to kick a ball for the first time right so i'm not sure what the answer is but i definitely want to be part of um you know playing my role and mentoring and supporting the athletes that i do come in contact with because i want that for them i want them to just have fun yeah. Meet people, learn resilience, and if they play in college, great, but they're more than just an athlete, right? Yes. Absolutely. So I have a question. Um, we talked about um, Title IX, which was designed to provide equal opportunity for girls in sports. Um, we, we just celebrated its 50th anniversary this past June. So What I see as a coach in having done public address announcing for the last 10 years, I see all kinds of girls in all kinds of sports. The equality as far as opportunity is there, but the quality is not equitable. The quality is not equitable. What do you say about that? I think it's unfortunately true. I think it's getting better. But I think we have a long way to go in terms of generating the support for women's sports to the same level that men's sports are currently receiving. You see it even now with the stands when you go to high school sports, oh, yeah. sporting events. And One of the things that drives me crazy, on Friday nights, the Capital Area Activities Conference has league games. They have you know the red, white, and blue leagues. And every other year they switch. Girls play first, boys play second. The years that the girls play first, the crowds build and build and build. By the time the boys play the second game on the doubleheader on Friday nights, the stands are full. It's great. The years that the girls play second, everybody comes early, and at halftime they walk out on the girls' games. And it, you could sometimes literally hear a pin drop by the time the girls' game's over. Ugh. And those kids, they all do the same. They have the same number of practices. They work just as hard. They keep their grades up. They have all the same requirements to be able to participate at a varsity-level sport, but they don't get the same level of support. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. I think one of the hardest parts when you hear about that is that you know it's true, but you know there's opportunity for it to not be that way. Mm -hmm. I know when I played basketball in high school, as our team continued to excel and do well, the crowds increased. Got bigger. They did. But they still, I would say, weren't always as big as the, the men's sports. And I think some of that is, you know, you do have a different level of athleticism with Mm -hmm. men's and women's sports, but 
I think it's just as fun to watch in many ways, especially if you know the athletes. Oh, it is. Yeah. And I'm not sure how to shift that culture that we have surrounding men and women's sports. Well, one of the things I do as an announcer that I have the luxury of doing is I ask people to stay between games. I said, you know, these kids are going to, the better, the better half is yet to come. The girls are playing next. They're excited to have you here, but they really appreciate your sport. They work hard every day at practice. Thank you for coming. And, you know, so I kind of try to tease that out. And I don't know if it really makes a difference, but maybe, just maybe it might put that little thing in their mind that they might think, hmm, maybe I'm going to sit here a couple more minutes and watch them play because they really deserve my attention. They do. They play, as you know, like I said, just as many practices, just as many games and have to do all the same things. But, yeah, it's just unfortunate. Um, so that's that's one of the things I see. The other thing is I will see schools come where, again, I have the luxury of sitting at the at the scores table, so I get to see all the kids and all the coaches and all the referees and hear everything that goes on. The boys' teams will come out in matching shoes, matching sweats, everything. The girls' teams look like the uniforms kind of been you know, put together from different years, their shoes maybe not be sport appropriate. I see that in basketball. I see that in volleyball some. Um, there again, it's like, yes, you're giving them the opportunity to play, but make the quality equitable. How do the boys get this kind of stuff and the girls don't? And so my, my feeling on that is you're sending them a message that they're not valued, they're not important, and the boys are more important. I think it's subliminal, but I think it's there. I don't think it's intentional in many ways, but you do have this rooted hierarchy with men's and women's sports. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, most people probably wouldn't even notice. You know, maybe it might go unnoticed or, you know, it's it's subtle, but but I do think it is there. And, and girls know, they, you can't tell me a teenage girl doesn't know that they don't have the same kind of shoes the boys do. They do. The girls know that at oh, that age. <laughs> For sure. I had a teenage daughter, and let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, if you had to, for the listeners out there, and, if, and hopefully there's some young women out there that are listening to this that, that, you know, love softball, love basketball, love volleyball, what would you tell them to get them to play? Do you want to have fun? Do you want to meet people and grow as an individual, maybe do things that are a little out of your comfort zone. That's what sports are. And you will make lifelong friends and have these amazing memories and experiences that you will carry with you for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Some of my fondest memories in sports are from high school. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah, sure. One of those. Can you think of one? <laughs> I can. I remember I had just taken a physics course in, in my class, like, and we had just learned about velocity and how if you slow things down just a little bit, you can potentially slow the, um, really the impact. Mm -hmm. So my teammates after practice took a really giant stick we found and we put a glove on the stick early <laughs> yeah. and we're throwing the ball up and we're trying to figure out how slow we had to like drop it down to still catch the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Completely unrelated, but after practice, but we just loved it so much and mm -hmm. we just wanted to keep going and we had time and we just laughed and laughed and just could not stop. And 
you know, those were the times where you put in extra work, but it didn't feel like it. Yeah, and that's a really sweet story. It's yeah. really silly, but I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember a time where uh, we had finished, this is high school, we'd finished a tennis tournament and we'd done really well. And there was this lake or this pond right next to the tennis courts. And it was pretty hot because it's hot in Kansas a lot, right? And we just got really wild and silly. And despite our coach yelling at us not to get in the water, we all just went in, tennis shoes, uniforms, and everything, and started splashing around and had such a great time. But it was just so much fun to just let loose and just be, just be fun, just have fun. And I think, you know, that's what we need to teach kids is have fun. Um, there's a place for you out there. Okay. We get to the end of every podcast, and you've listened to the first two. And you know that the title is, Do I Need My Racket? And I always ask, what's your racket, Rachel? If you had to think about it, it's metaphorical, it's different for everybody, but what would you tell everybody that, what is your racket? My racket is my resilience to get up every day, to do my best and give myself grace along the way. Nice, nice. And I think... You know, you've you've really had some hardship this last year with some health issues. And even though you're not through all of those, I know that resilience and that grace is going to get you through it in the end. That's the plan. (laughs) I know it will for sure. Is there anything after all we've talked about that you'd like to add to your story or say to anything else that we've talked about? I would just like to thank you for taking the time to speak with me. And I hope that any of the listeners that hear my story, I hope it helps you find your way and maybe back to a court or a field where you can really make some great memories playing sports. Nice. After my interview with Rachel, I spoke with her longtime coach, mentor, and friend, Bob Every, and asked him what stood out to you about Rachel as her coach and mentor. He said... For Rachel, it was always about the team and being a part of something bigger than herself. She was fearless and brave when she stood in that circle to pitch. Her best pitch, the rise ball. Well, a rise ball comes straight at you, has backspin and jumps up as it crosses the plate and is the most difficult pitch to hit along with the most difficult pitch to throw. But Rachel threw the rise ball with perfection. So Rachel, throw your best rise ball. All of us are here for you, sitting in the bleachers, cheering you, cheering loudly with our arms around you. Because of your cancer standing in that batter's box, that's strike three and you're out. If you have a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email. Our address is info at inhernamefoundation.org. That's info at inhernamefoundation.org. Thanks again to Tudor Big, Big Sound and Lighting for editing and producing this podcast and creating and producing our original theme music. For more information about In Her Name Foundation, visit our website at inhernamefoundation.org. Join us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our newsletter or make a donation. We look forward to meeting all of you again and sharing our next episode of Inspiration. Until then, see you next time. 
and be prepared to bring your racket.